think about that. I'm thinking about doing it anyway. So the state of California has made it illegal to travel in the state at all and use a hotel for tourism or leisure. And I was thinking about going somewhere, just just to go somewhere, even if we don't do anything, just to go somewhere over the two-week break. Change of scene, sure, yeah. Because we've had so little fun and excitement over the last nine months, like like everybody else. Do it. Do it. Yeah, yeah, and a a lesson for the kids. I think this rule is stupid, so I'm not going to follow it. I don't know if that's a good lesson or not. Uh, seems like a slippery one. Because when you're, yeah, exactly. Because when you're young, there's a lot of rules you think are stupid, and it turns out there's a good reason for them. Right. Oh boy, that's a tough one. On the other hand, all of us grew up with the story of the uh, American Revolution and and uh, taxation without representation. By the way, it's probably worth repeating that uh, everything we learned about the Revolution. You remember that taxation without representation, the Stamp Act. Uh, Boston Tea Party, all that stuff. What what did all of that have in common? It was all about economic liberty. Tri-cornered hats? Oh, no. Economic liberty. No, it's economic liberty, the right to earn a living, the pursuit of happiness, which is what the various, uh, you know, uh, idiot governors around America are are trampling on right now, and they're not backing it up with any solid data. So uh, fight it. And, you know, I grew up with the American Revolution stuff, and not only did we break those rules, we threw the tea in the harbor, then shot the guys who came to enforce them. So, yeah, I think resistance to excess authority is is a bit of a slippery slope with kids, but you got to teach them that that's okay. Teach them to be uh, uh, citizens, not subjects. Um, That's what I say, by God. You know how fashions come and go for no particular reason. Um, will the tri-cornered hat ever come back? I saw somebody wearing one the other day, and I thought, okay, you're that's kind of your gimmick. You're tri-cornered hat guy. Right. But uh, there's no reason why that wouldn't come back as a fashion at some point, would it? No, I'm, I'm going through various hat fads through the decades, and... That one's been uh, it's been on the shelf for quite some time. I feel like at some point it crossed through the threshold of that's clearly a costume, not a hat. Like you're either trying to do like a pirate thing or a founding thing. Like, yeah, it'd be know. like having a giant uh, court of Louis the Fourteenth wig as a yeah. woman. Yeah. Was there a reason? That's right, pirates too. Pirates and revolutionaries. That's the only place I see the Troy corner hat. Well, I think it was, was virtually there an everybody to it during that era. Keeps the rain off your head. Well, I assume the, the well the hat. I get the hat, the sun and the rain. Yeah, but uh, why the why three sides? Most around or I don't know either. I don't know. Why is a cowboy hat shaped like it's it another is? haberdashery it's a- Monday where we take a look at hat trends <laughs> through the centuries? Uh why is a cowboy hat to, like it is to channel the rain? Right. I think so. Yeah. Uh I don't know. I don't know. It's a good look though. It's snappy. <laughs> And you know what? I'm going to deep dive on this. I'll figure it out. It's a big enough hat (laughs) that a a guy with a fat face like myself would probably look pretty good in it. There you go. That's my new gimmick. Um, Can I wear breeches as well? (laughs) What's the biggest food? Oh, uh, coming up, we're going to talk to a uh, a guy involved in county politics somewhere in the United States who's fighting the governor's orders. This is happening all around the country with either counties or restaurants or bars. No closation without representation. Yeah. That's my cry. We'll be talking about that next segment. What's the biggest food company in the world? I would not have gotten this right if you gave me five guesses. Uh, d- d- Nestle. There you go. It's Nestle. I did not know that. That's why I got a fat face and I got to wear a tri-corner hat. <laughs>
I really like food. The style served two purposes. First, it allowed stylish gentlemen to show off the the style being the the sides folded up and off of uh, the head, kind of see my up. head. But uh, see how symmetrical my head is. Kind of. Uh, it allowed the the stylish <laughs> gentlemen, head, ladies, to show off their most current fashion of their wigs and thus a social ah, status. Okay. The second, the folded brim was much smaller than other hats and therefore could be more easily tucked under an arm when going inside a building, as ah. was the custom of the time. Right, nice. no hats indoors. And the fellers had wigs because there are so many lice. Keep, keep your head shaved so you don't get lice. I don't know if that's true. I may have just made that up. But. So are you familiar with the uh, two people say the same thing at the same time and somebody says jinx? Of course. Right. I was familiar with that, but I didn't know the extension from that. About on a on a soda pop. Uh, so yeah, so my son, who's a grade schooler, he's in fifth grade. So they've been saying for a couple of years now, Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Charmingly replicated in that video we played and of then, the uh, social justice warrior. And the other kid then says, "Take that back, you owe me a Cadillac." For some reason, because <sighs> wow. it rhymes. I'd rather have a car. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then my son hit yesterday with doesn't count. We're indoors. I said, when did this rule come? He said, oh, it's, it's been rules been around for a long time. Every kid says it. That's I a said, COVID what? thing. <laughs> when, right. When's this happen? Jinx doesn't count if you're indoors? Yeah. No, under a roof. He said, doesn't count under a roof. Okay. <laughs> that's so, hilarious. That, so those that's, are the new rules. I would in case appeal that ruling. <laughs> I'm sure linguists or anthropologists or somebody could explain to us why kids do that sort of thing. It's a weird. Yeah. It's like learning the social compact, or yeah, it's got it's got to be it's got to have a sociological uh, benefit to it. Yeah, we both know this. All right, we're together on this. Yeah, you're part of the crowd that knows this is a thing. Yeah, huh? huh. Interesting. Anyway, Nestle, the world's biggest food company, complete change of topic, said last week that it will spend three point two billion dollars. Over five years to improve its climate footprint. Hmm. Um, the money will boost what it calls regenerative agriculture throughout Nestle's supply chain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is this being demanded of companies? I, I brought this up because I've come across it several times. I get ads now for, um, I'm on Levi's mailing list, and I get their emails all the time, and then it will have the list of, like, you know, you go to the sort thing in the high price to low price, low price to high price, what's on sale. Most sustainable mm-hmm. is a choice. Oh. What are the most sustainable jeans? Or though I, I, I saw some ad and said, this is our most sustainable shoe we've ever developed. Wow. Does this matter to people? Because it doesn't matter to me at all. I'll never make a buying decision based on that for I my pants. I think you're, you're young, virtue signaling types, yes. To the extent that you're spending billions of dollars showing that, that you've lowered your footprint so people will eat your candy and not your competitors? Uh, now, keeping in mind, I think Nestle's based in Europe, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I think there is so much pressure on that front, and, and increasingly in the U.S., companies are doing this preemptively. So they're not the big bad guy that then gets hammered with heavy-handed regulations. So they, they're making the bet that the social pressure will be so high at some point they need to get ahead of this. Really soon, too. Wow, that's interesting. I, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm older. Even and the oil companies are doing it. I also think you're, you're, you addressed it, but not uh, understanding how big of a, a buying factor that is, particularly for younger people. Really? Yeah. I, would, I would never make my decision on which jeans I buy based on the sustainability. I mean, it's never going to play a role at all. 
These um, jeans are made of sewn together leaves. And I'm not I'm not like trying to take a stand on anything. It's just not part of my thinking. I yeah, just would we, never think about it. We call them leaf vise. <laughs> They're totally sustainable. That's interesting. Man, times change. Yeah. Yeah. I read the other day that uh, it was in the New York Times, so it's probably made up, but they've changed the estimate from within 25 years or something. They were saying 10% of the land masses on Earth will be unusable. They're now saying 25% of the land will be underwater or baking in the sun or something. Or By other. June, you said? No, I can't remember the timetable, but it struck me as uh, a little Al Gore-ish. A little try to scare you to death-ish. If the ah. underwater places are next to the baking in the sun places, that sounds like a nice little vacation retreat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's a word for that. It's called a resort. I bought a shirt recently, but I never got it. I don't know if it got lost in the mail or Porch Pirates took it or whatever. I never got it. It wasn't even cheap. But I bought a uh, a shirt made of entirely recycled material that I was kind of intrigued by the idea of it. I just mm. wanted to see what it would be like. Um. Mm. And it was supposed to be, it had a very high score on your whole sustainability scale, which I don't think about when it comes to socks and shirts or anything, really. That's the no. biggest tension is the more sustainable something is, it tends to be more expensive as oh, well. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. It's like organic food. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of the things where you're trying to do the right thing, way expensive. Gluten-free is killing us trying to go good. I ordered a gluten-free burger at Red Robin and the bun was $2 extra. Than, than the regular burger. And when a company like Nestle kind of takes the lead on that, and hopefully they show a pathway forward where that's maybe not necessarily the case in 10 years, where it, it doesn't hit uh, the price point the same way. But Interesting. Okay. Uh, My leaf to... pants are $175. <laughs> Made entirely of leaves. Don't Coming up. See if you can't leave me about it. An age from oh, the where the zipper no, no, no. ends. Mr. President. LBJ, please. No, we don't have time for this. We're going to talk to a county commissioner from uh, Northern California. His county is in an open battle with the governor. Exciting stuff. Freedom! Coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey there. Christmas is sneaking up on us. It is December 7th, though, we should mention. It's Pearl Harbor Day. And that doesn't get any attention anymore, but it is possible that countries attack each other. And uh, war starts. That's still in the human makeup. Let's every war, that. every major war has been the war to end all wars, yeah. honestly. And and then there's another one. And you have China on the rise, so that's uh, that's nice. It's funny, all the articles I'm coming across. It turns out distance learning is terrible. Yeah, we know. Signed, every parent. It was evident immediately. Right. And meanwhile, uh, folks with means, their kids are in private schools they're learning they're in classes sometimes the teacher is remote which is strange but uh the kids are in school learning but uh if you depend on the government for your education you're getting screwed mm. absolutely seems, screwed seems like a decent compromise well, i'll tell you what happens because i i experienced this it's not going on now it's a way to get around the rules you have people you call helpers in the classroom 
and the teacher is online. But you're oh, you're accomplishing okay. all the same things. As long as they're not called a teacher, the teachers' unions don't fight the helpers being there. Right, they're learning up. helpers. Yeah, it is a heck of a system we got set up. You yeah, have to nice. get around these rules to try to teach kids, which is among the most important things that happen in a, in a society. Right. Well, I lied. I'm a lying liar. We're going to be talking to that uh, battling county commissioner coming up in the next segment. Jack, would you like to know about the sweat? Uh, as the, the, the sweat. As the liquid that pours out of me when I'm nervous? The sweat was a mysterious and contagious disease that struck England and later continental Europe in a series of epidemics beginning in the year 1485. The last outbreak occurred 70 years later, almost 70 years later, in 1551, after which the disease apparently vanished. The onset of symptoms was sudden, with death often occurring within hours. Oh, man. Now, that's a bad disease. Yeah, it began very suddenly with a sense of apprehension, which was appropriate, uh, followed by cold shivers, headaches, severe pains in the neck, shoulders, limbs, with great exhaustion. That stage might last from a half hour to three hours, after which the hot and sweating stage began. Oh, the man, characteristic, if, yes? Man, if some, imagine if something like that swept the world. The characteristic sweat broke out suddenly without any obvious cause. A sense of heat, headache, delirium, and rapid pulse with intense thirst accompanied the sweat. The sweat, palpitation, and pain in the heart were frequent symptoms as well. Not like you hear about in love songs, but actual pain in your your, your pumping mechanism. Uh, in the final stages, there was either general exhaustion or collapse or an irresistible urge to sleep, which was thought to be fatal if the patient oh, were permitted to give way to it. I've got that. Yeah, me too, like 24-7. Uh, one attack did not produce immunity, and some people suffered several bouts before dying. Here's here's what here's year your did you line. say the sweat went around? Late 1400s okay. to mid 1500s. That's 1732. I'm bad with the centuries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. No, I didn't say the 14th century because I get confused in that too. The 1400s to gotcha. the 1500s. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, the disease typically lasted through one full day before recovery or death took place. Whew. So you'd still, you know, honey, I'm feeling a little funky. No. You'd either be fine or dead within 24 hours. Now that's a pandemic. And then you might get it again in a month, and it lasted for almost 70 years. Oh my Great God. Scott. Something like that wouldn't sweep the world, though, because you you uh, you don't last long enough to spread it the way this coronavirus thing happens. That's you know one of the problems here. You're um, you're able to spread it for weeks. You have no symptoms a lot of times. Yeah, they also had no concept of germs at the time, so did absolutely not. nothing to protect themselves. Uh, but uh, thank God you don't have the sweat. You want something else, silly? This just came out from Lifetime. Mark your calendars, because Lifetime and KFC have partnered for a Lifetime original movie you don't want to miss, A Recipe for Seduction, starring Mario Lopez. Oh, boy. A Recipe for Seduction. Must watch. Did you get into the description more? No. It's a sexy Colonel Sanders. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It actually is. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I believe it, that's right. Is it like a Sharknado thing, then? It's like a joke? It's they're, not. They're trying she, to pretend serious about? She's divorced. She moves to a small southern town to reconnect with her roots and, and finally write Colonel the novel Sanders? she's been dreaming of and meets a sexy <laughs> Colonel Sanders character. Well, that's pretty good. She moves to her hometown. He's a plucky novel. local a... chef. Yeah, <laughs> Mario Lopez is a hunky Colonel Sanders in KFC-sponsored Lifetime movie. <laughs> 
Oh, we are at peak. Uh, we'll watch anything, aren't we? My wife is so into those movies. I mean, it's 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 crazy. I've just had to learn to accept it. Um, and she says I'm gonna go watch one of those silly movies. But you know, I guess I sit around and I watch baseball. Yeah. Uh, so uh, whatever floats your boat, but yeah, there's they crank out those movies like well, KFC cranks out chicken legs. There's 20 new ones every week. It's amazing. What's the main appeal? The romance? Yeah, the romance. Okay, people falling in love, finding each other. I don't know. You got a picture of the young, sexy Colonel Sanders? Oh my god, that's hilarious! <laughs> Is he wearing the suit? Uh, he's got the uh, like the the white. Looks like a chef's coat almost, but okay, it's, yeah, a, so it's short sleeve, yeah, so it's really showing off the biceps. So he's, yes. he can show his guns, and yes. it's an extra medium, as Sean would call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so it's really tight. He's is got he the, the classic the mustache. Yeah, the, he's uh, got the classic facial hair. The goatee. His yes. hair is like a the the gray with the uh, black with the gray peppered in, right? Nice. So it's kind of a it's a, it's a prequel, it seems. Yeah, there's only maturity. one way to des- there's only one way to describe it. It's a sexier Colonel Sanders. <laughs> that is funny. A recipe for seduction. Presented by Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the silliest thing ever. Is this a new trend? I mean, I realize kids' movies exist to sell toys. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Oh, geez. How would I? How will I not watch some of that? <laughs> Trust me, you'll watch some of it. And then you'll stop watching. And then I'll it. go to KFC. <laughs> get myself a bucket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Crazy love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. While the governor's office and the state has threatened action against violators. The Riverside County Sheriff's Department will not be blackmailed, bullied, or used as muscle against Riverside County residents in the enforcement of the governor's orders. That is interesting. That's Riverside County Sheriff Chad Bianco. Don Barnes of uh, Orange County, the sheriff, made a similar statement. Kevin Faulkner, who is the governor of San Diego, California, called out, I'm sorry, he's the mayor, he called out the governor, Gavin Newsom Friday saying we got new executive orders with no science behind it. So you see this new order that says, for example, we're going to shut down outdoor dining, which has been working very successfully. When it says we're going to be shutting down playgrounds for families and kids, once again, no science behind it. That's why you see this growing anger and frustration. And speaking of anger and frustration, uh, Placer County, California, is starting to speak out publicly now about their disdain for the governor's orders, and Kirk Euler joins us. Kirk is the Placer County District 4 uh, Supervisor. Kirk, how are you, sir? Great. Thanks, guys. How are you? Uh, we're fine and dandy. Anger and Frustration, is that the name of our new band? Uh, it's, it'd be a good one. I'd, we're going to play loud and fast because it's it's building. Well, how about as a band, we lead with our greatest hit that everybody wants to hear. You're going to take some of those CARES Act funds and do what with it? Well, what we're looking at in Placer County is actually taking some of the CARES Act funds, which came from Congress back in the bill that was passed back in March of last year, um, and actually set it aside. We've already committed $16 million in grants to our local businesses out of our CARES Act fund. That's almost half of what we got from the federal government. We've already passed out to our businesses and nonprofits. But what we're looking at now is taking some of those funds, setting them aside, 
to help pay fines issued by the state to Placer County businesses. This so, thing is absurd, and it's getting worse. So if the state's going to say, hey, if you're, we're going to stop by, and if, you got, if you're open and you got people in there, we're going to give you a fine, and you're saying, that's no, all right, we'll, we'll here in, the, in our county, we'll pay, we'll pay the fine for you. That's, that's one of the things that we are looking at, absolutely. Because it's just, there's no logical sense to the kinds of lockdowns that we're talking about. We, we look at the numbers in our county and statewide. Uh, understand that Los Angeles County has been under the, the most restrictive tier all along, right? Here's you got a county of 10 million people. They've been told all along, you guys should be staying at home. And now they're getting fines for walking in public. And Los Angeles County, their case rate is 122% higher than our county's. Their death rate is 326% higher than our county's. Well, wait a minute. They've been locked down all along, and you're telling us we need to lock down now? Show us the proof. Anywhere in the country, show us that these restrictions that you're proposing have worked. How bad is the economic damage that you're seeing, Kirk? I love that you asked that question because here's what we're dealing with. If you take the two states that are perhaps the most restrictive, California and New York, against the two states that have been perhaps the most lenient, Florida and Texas, the unemployment rate for California and New York versus Florida and Texas, 41% higher unemployment rate. And yet, guys, the death rate is still 10% higher in California and New York. Adjusted for population, per 100,000, adjusted for population, the death rate is higher in California and New York, and they have a 41% higher unemployment rate. Yeah, we did the story last week of how much attention Florida has gotten because they look at stupid Florida and their terrible caseload they've got because they didn't follow the rules of their stupid Trump governor. When Illinois has 40% of the population and way more cases and hospitalizations and everything like that, but because they've been shut down as a blue state, that you know the, the comparison isn't made. You know, don't let me forget to get to education, too. But, Kirk, I know that uh, y'all in Placer County are pretty unhappy with the uh, communication from the governor's office as well. Yeah, we, over the course of, of the last nine months, at various points where he has, you know, people say he's, he's, he's moved the goalposts. No, he completely changes the game. This is, we're, we're in the Calvin and Hobbes version of Calvin Ball here in California, <laughs> where we're just going to completely change the rules of the game at a whim with no science, nothing to back it up. And so as this has happened over the last eight months, our board has sent a series of five different letters to the governor's office. There's a formal request for clarification and communication from our board of supervisors to the governor. Not once have we received a response. That was the most amazing thing I heard out of your little statement we were playing earlier. So the, so the governor's office has not been doing a good job of working with the counties and communicating. Oh, not only does the governor's office not work with the counties and communicate, the governor's office doesn't care to. It, that's really what, what this boils down to, is we are going to take a top-down command and control approach to California's economy, and, and we're going to shutter all these businesses with zero input from those of us on the ground at the local level. And it is infuriating. Kirk Euler is a member of the Board of Supervisors of Placer County, California. It's in the northern part of the state for those listening uh, around the country and around the world. Uh, the education stuff bothers the heck out of us, Kirk, because uh, plenty of people of means have their kids in schools, in private schools, including, including the, governor, the governor, 
Uh, ironically yeah. enough, right. Meanwhile, uh, poor kids, working class kids, kids of color, whatever, are just getting screwed, in our opinion, by the teachers union. What's your what's your take on the whole school situation? There is, again, going back to the data and evidence, there is no evidence, not just in this country, but internationally, that having kids locked down and out of school does anything to slow the spread, does anything to affect mortality rates. I mean, here in California, if you're under the age of 35, you, you literally in California, your mortality rate is 0.05% if you're under the age of 35, if you get the disease. Now, if, if you're taking that mortality, we've had a grand total of 312 deaths under the age of 35 in a state of 40 million people. And we're going to take that entire population under the age of 35. We're going to keep them out of school. We're going to keep them out of college. And we're going to shut down their places of employment. Because if you look at the kinds of places the governor is targeting with his moratoriums and with his shutdowns, it is predominantly establishments that are that that employ our youngest our younger employees. Right. I mean, it's the people under 35 who are working at the restaurants and at the bars and at the small markets and the other service oriented businesses. And they are being impacted the most by these closures. And yet they have the least to worry from this disease. There are plenty of law enforcement officers. We quoted a couple of them who are saying, listen, we're not enforcing this stuff. Have you had any conversations with the uh, law enforcement in your county? All along, our uh, sheriff uh, in our county has said we, we simply are not. In, if, if you want us to enforce a law, pass a law. But these, these ridiculous edicts, which are only possible because the governor has kept us in a state of emergency for nine months, we are not going to enforce that. And that has been the governor's, excuse me, our sheriff's position, and that has been our board of supervisors' position. We are not using our health and safety inspectors and the rest as a mechanism to enforce these ridiculous edicts when you cannot prove that they do anything to actually stem the tide. Kirk Euler is a supervisor in Placer County, California. Hey, Kirk, we appreciate the time. We appreciate you guys uh, fighting for liberty. Keep it up, and we'll stay in touch. Thanks, gentlemen. All right. Yeah, you got it. You know, it, it took uh, it took this. I hope I hope this is true. It took this. But Americans are rediscovering liberty. They've had a taste of their liberty being taken away and they don't like it. I, I hope that's true. And I hope that's true in big enough numbers that it makes a difference. I wonder if they're going to hear from the governor now that they're uh, ignoring him. They still might not hear from the governor. It might be a good thing. He might not actually care. Um, it might be more of a gesture. It's a, you know, he's, he's playing to the national stage. He's still got bigger ambitions. Yeah. Um, he just wants to be blameless. Yeah. Yeah. And I told you to shut down and, uh, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, boy, I love it though. I love the, the brush fire of Liberty. People are saying, no, that's arbitrary. It's unfair. It's heavy handed. We're not going to put up with that sort of government. Screw you. I just love that. I'm not as far out there as a lot of you are who text and email and that sort of stuff. I believe the disease exists. I believe it's killing a lot of people. I believe there's a gazillion cases around. All those people are in the hospital actually have it. I believe masks work. But they're, like Kirk kept saying, there just isn't any data, and we should have it by now nine months in to show you that the difference between 50% and 25% in a restaurant is significant enough for you to get to dictate how much money these people are allowed to make.
right? Especially the outdoor stuff. And keeping kids out of school and off of playgrounds is a crime against humanity. It ought to be prosecuted. The people who are continuing that ought to be in leg irons. I stand by my statement. Uh, we still have people responding to the idea of um, uh, wiping out student debt, which might happen early in the Biden administration. And still some good responses on that. People have lived a different lives and, uh, and uh, will really hate that idea, like me. I love it. Bring so it. Maybe we'll get to some of that, and uh, we'll finish strong. That'll be our plan, won't we? Yeah, it's a plan. I still can't. Uh, when does that Lifetime movie come out? A Recipe for oh, this, Love. The sexy KFC movie? Yeah. Lifetime pairing with KFC for A Recipe for Love. <laughs> Feeding each other mashed potatoes no, a, a recipe sexily. for seduction. A recipe, I'm sorry, a recipe for seduction. Uh <laughs> you're getting you're getting grease on my underpants. Did KFC? Can you stop eating, please? So when you partner with KFC for a lifetime movie, do they have any um, do they have any writing obligations? I mean, are they involved in the script, or do they just provide the young, sexy Colonel Sanders? They just, they just hand over their intellectual property of you may use our characters. You, you, Mario Lopez can dress up like a young, hot Colonel Sanders. The, the KFC expanded universe. We have some notes for you. Uh, we notice that uh, <laughs> that the, there aren't any biscuits when they sit down. We need more biscuits, please. Our biscuits are very popular. Uh, it premieres December 13th on The Lifetime. He's smearing mashed potatoes on her belly and licking them off. <laughs> Why, you are hotter than buttered biscuits, he'll say. Yes. And, then, and then things will take a turn for the worse. Mm. It's colder than here in our cold, than our coleslaw. You know, I that's thought right. my chicken was spicy or something. <laughs> oh, that'll be some good stuff. Good entertainment. Armstrong and Getty. The deepest swimming pool has opened in Poland. Even more amazing, it's above ground. That's <laughs> kind of a visual joke. Mm, I don't have, get it. Have we heard the uh, Corden uh, joke, 14? Uh, no, no. Let's give that a word. Seriously. It's the world's deepest pool, Jack, but it was above ground. See, it's, a, it's, it's not what you would think. Surprising. Well, let's move on and look at the headlines. Some breaking news from Capitol Hill. The House of Representatives passed a historic bill today that would decriminalize the use of cannabis. What about that? Yeah. We're really amazed. The House House was like, all those opposed say nay. All those in favor say, cool. Yeah, whatever, man. So it's supposed to be dead on arrival in the Senate, but it passed quite easily, the House of Representatives. They've got to decriminalize research, though. Get it off Schedule A or Schedule 1 or DEFCON 1 or whatever it is so we can figure out what heavy marijuana use is doing to the the youngsters. It's idiotic. And the other thing that it being on the federal list like that, it prevents states that have decided it is legal. There's just the... It prevents hurdles for the banking industry as well, and I think trying to figure out a way to smooth that out would be would be beneficial. Yeah, I got a couple of headlines I want to get off my plate here, so I can uh, x them out here. Um, the elderly versus essential workers: who should get the vaccine first? I guess this is quite the battle that's going on in the CDC mm. as you move away from this first round 
Are we going to go more toward whatever they deem essential workers or the, the elderly get priority? I don't know uh, where I stand on that. Yeah, that's an interesting question. We've talked about that a little bit. I mean, uh, you want to protect as many life years as possible. You want to protect as many lives as possible, obviously. But, you know, honestly, if I've got a 40-year-old and an 80-year-old... And what are you contributing to the society, old man? Well, honestly, if I had a 10-year-old and me, I would choose the 10-year-old. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, yeah, I, I wonder how that's going to go. I suppose it will vary state to state. I mean, most essential workers are young and healthy enough that they're probably going to be fine anyway. That's the difficulty of making these decisions. If you got a 99.7% chance of surviving is, say, a 45-year-old, even if you get it, um, that's a do good you point. prioritize that over the, the very fragile? That's a good know. point. Uh, they surveyed uh, firefighters in New York. It's the biggest fire uh, fighting department in America. Over half of them said they will not get the vaccination, 55%, in a survey over the weekend. Hmm. With all the information we have now, said they will not do it. Um, MTA workers, 30% said they're willing to do it. So those New York uh, numbers, I hope they don't translate to the rest of the country. We're gonna, the vi- the vaccine's not going to do us any good if nobody will take it. Yeah. Um, this was an interesting one. This is Sorry, Pew Research said the, the number of people who said they'll take it has gone from 50 to 60%. I hope so. so. It's still really low, though. Yep. Not high enough. Um, this is from England. High-value business travelers to be exempt from U.K. travel quarantine, says the transport secretary. So they have a travel quarantine like we have in some states where you're not allowed to go anywhere. You need to stay home. Certain performing arts professionals, TV production staff, journalists, and recently signed elite sports people would be able to avoid self-isolating regardless of where they had traveled from. The rule change kicked in over the weekend. All right. It's almost hard to believe that's real. Yeah, no kidding. If you're an elite athlete, or well, actually, if you're anybody you know you see on TV or is involved in TV or movies, you don't have to follow the rules. What the hell is that? What the hell is that? I don't know. Well, it just it just goes to show that this stuff is. I mean, they're just trying. They're trying something, but they know it's. They have no scientific basis to fight, say, Manchester United, who wants their new forward to show up. So they just say, okay, go ahead. I don't want the show to be over, but I am ready to listen to the final thoughts from Armstrong and Getty. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. He presses the buttons in the control room, keeps on the air. Michelangelo, final thought. Yeah, it's kind of a question for Jack, actually. I guess he spent $200 on a Christmas tree. And that will end up in his yard with multiple other Christmas trees yes. from the years past, correct? Yes, yeah, so I think I have five so far. This will be the sixth one that I add to over by the goat pen, the old Christmas trees. It's a fi- pen. Fire hazard. You should be fined. Positive Sean, our producer, has a final thought. Yes, the NBA season, which commences uh, pretty soon here, is going to suspend random testing for marijuana for the 2021 season and focus on uh, other performance-enhancing drugs and stuff. So I would like to officially announce that I am accepting contract offers from all NBA teams. <laughs> no need to negotiate. I will happily take the league minimum. 
I'm a great locker room guy, and I got six fouls to give every night. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Plus, you could be in charge of the weed. I mean, you could roll the, <laughs> roll the numbers for the fellas or, you know, make sure the bong water's clean. Uh, Jack, a final thought for us? We did go to the Christmas tree farm to cut down our Christmas tree, and I thought maybe I'd trans- transitioned into my kids being old enough to actually cut down the tree with the saw this year. But <laughs> they gave out early with their little linguine arms. And there I was on the ground risking a heart attack for the family as the as the sole breadwinner. Come sweating, on. trying to get the tree to come down. <laughs> Just tell the kids we're going to stay here for three days if that's what it takes. You're going to saw <laughs> down that tree. Uh, my final thought, one more time, Chicago Teachers Union tweeted, The push to reopen schools is rooted in sexism, racism, and misogyny. Meanwhile, for instance, San Diego teachers are having to take the critical race theory training crap. You ought to laugh these people out of the room. I realize you can't because you got to hold on to your job, but you're being taught racist garbage. Reject it. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have some great swag for you. You can still get it in time for Christmas. Drop us an email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say what that. I've sat here for over three hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? Doctors in China removed more than 120 magnetic beads swallowed by a five-year-old boy. Wow. Wait till his boss at the factory hears about this. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty.